This week saw the 75th anniversary, the remembering of D-Day, the Allied invasion of Normandy. It was the biggest land and air and naval operation of all time. There was massive loss of life on the first day. Over 2,700 British personnel in the first 24 hours alone. But their sacrifice secured peace in our lifetime in Europe. We remembered them this week not to glorify war, but to honour those who had given their lives for the freedom and the hope that we now enjoy. And in the hope and the prayer that we and the coming generations will not make the same mistakes again. Today is Pentecost Sunday. The birth of the church, as Sarah pointed out. It's when we remember the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people. It cost one person everything. Jesus was the one who got us to this point. His sacrifice and the subsequent gift of His Spirit transformed everything. A fearful group of people were transformed into bold witnesses. An uneducated group of people spoke to every nation in languages that they understood. Men and women, old and young, slave and master, everyone was included. The poor were cared for, the widows and the helpless were included. People heard the fresh word of God and culture was renewed and society was transformed. Pentecost was the work of the Holy Spirit in each individual and in the community. God was dwelling in people, really living inside them as he had promised. And this changed everything for a generation. But if today all we do is remember what happened then, then we've learnt nothing. You see, Pentecost was not a moment in history to be remembered, but is a lifestyle of following and continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're told, aren't we, by various kind of health organisation, dependent on uh, who's in the ministerial seat, what we're supposed to do with our lives. Uh, the five a day, uh, the fruit and veg that we're supposed to, to have, how much wine we're supposed to drink or not, uh, dependent on the latest report. And we're supposed to apparently drink eight glasses of water a day. I, I find this a little bit confusing because... The glass that I serve to my children is about 250, 300 millilitres. You're yeah, not very generous. Um, but there are also in our cupboard pint glasses. Which one is it? Because the, the amount of water is quite different if it's a small glass or a big glass. So eight glasses of water, the recommended amount. How much even is that? Have you ever heard anyone say, well, I don't need to drink my water today because I drank it yesterday. Or, don't worry about that. I, I'm, I don't need to be worried about me drinking the water because I've got a friend who's really into drinking water. It doesn't work like that, does it? 
You see, water is essential for our survival and our well-being. And the Holy Spirit is essential for our survival and our well-being as followers of Jesus. When did you last drink deeply of the Holy Spirit? The drinking image is a really good one, but you know what? It's like my little blue watering can, wherever that's gone. It's not big enough. Even the green watering can isn't big enough. Ezekiel describes the Holy Spirit as a river flowing out of the temple and we're supposed to get involved up to knee deep and ankle deep and chest deep until we're whipped off our feet and and taken downstream to the place where God is transforming society. You might have picked up, by the way, that I'm a little bit excited this morning. Uh, I apologized at the first service and someone told me off. For, for apologising, not for being excited. We're supposed to jump in and get out of our depth in the Holy Spirit. Joel says that the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Poured out. This is not an English thing. He's not English or Anglican or a Baptist or even a Pentecostal. He's God, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, you can't stop him because he goes everywhere. Being poured out with incredible generosity and continually. It wasn't that the tap of the Holy Spirit was turned on on Pentecost and then shut down 50 years later. The tap has never been turned off. The Holy Spirit who comes in person, the person of the Holy Spirit, He's always pouring Himself out. We just have to get under the flow. When did you last stand in the river of His Holy Spirit. And by the way, when we get helpers in this place, either helpers in the form of the Holy Spirit or in terms of little people, it's great. And in your heart, if you hear noises from the back, you're to cheer and go, yes! When was the last time you stood in the river or got swept away in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're told by the prophets, they foretold the coming of the Holy Spirit for everyone. Ezekiel said that God would do the work, that He would sprinkle us just lightly, like an Anglican, you know, gently. And that we would be made clean, but that He would do the work in us and we'd get new hearts, brand new beating hearts. Those hearts of stone would be taken out and we'd be given hearts of flesh. Joel says that everyone is included. There's no lower limit or upper age limit. You know, if you're feeling old and cranky this morning and like you want to break, tough! Because God wants to include you. And He wants to grab hold of you and He wants to fill you afresh with His Holy Spirit and He wants to revive you. He's not, there's not, He doesn't want to retire you. He wants to retire you, as a friend of mine once said. Give you new purpose, a new place to go. 
He's got dreams for you. He wants to fill you. He wants to speak to you. And it doesn't matter how old or cranky you feel. He's hardly started with you yet. Everyone's included. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. He was foretold by the prophets, promised by Jesus, the comforter, the helper, the spirit of truth. In John chapter 20, he breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit as the Father has sent me, so I send you. We have a purpose. The purpose that Jesus has given us is to go and reach people, but we're also to be kingdom people. Seeking first the kingdom of God. You see, the Christian faith is more than a moment, more than a decision in a diary date when you go, this is the day when I decided to follow Jesus. It's about the whole of the rest of your life, the whole of your following, so that you seek first the kingdom and transform the world around you. You see, we're to be the ones that set the culture. We get blessed so that we can be a blessing. We're the people who God wants to use to transform society. What we need in this culture, even though Christians are pushed out and told we can't talk about our faith, we need more Christians in business. We need more Christian accountants, stockbrokers, teachers, more Christian mums, more Christian entrepreneurs, more Christians who are invested in their communities. And they're determined to transform them. More Christians who are retired and are filling up all the amazing retirement societies and gossiping about the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ and caring for those at the end of their lives. We need more people who are Christians serving on the counters in Tesco's, who are cleaning the streets. We need Christians everywhere because God wants to use us to transform society. People who can think kingdom of God thoughts. Who can take on some of the biggest challenges in our society so that no one is left on the sidelines. We have a kingdom culture to bring but it is not an intellectual exercise. Not an intellectual exercise alone. There's plenty of thinking that needs to be done. But it's an exercise of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, you need to be filled today and tomorrow and every day. When did you last drink deeply of the Holy Spirit? Jesus says at the beginning of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. To be a witness is not about remembering an event that happened in the past. Yes, we remember the historical death of Jesus Christ, where he took the punishment for the sin of the whole world. Yes, we remember his resurrection, where he was raised to life so that we could be raised to life. Yes, We are witnesses to those facts. But we are also witnesses to a present reality. You see, this is not about reenactment. This is about immersion. 
We're not to reenact being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're to get immersed, drenched, so soaked in Him that you look different as you're wandering down the street, just like Reuben did. I tried not to get him too wet. But, you know, the, the people look at you and go, why, why are you so wet? What happened? Oh, I've been drenched in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about him. Are you so drenched in the Holy Spirit that people stop you on the street? I, I know I'm not. He's got more for us. He's got more. I don't, I don't know how you're doing um, with the five habits that we've talked about as being a church on the way. Um, the reading one for me, I've come to the end of the um, Bible in a year, which took me two, you know, daily Bible readings like that. Sometimes it is for me, slow of study. So I'm back on Romans chapter 8. When I last read Romans chapter 8, I read it for every day for six months, and I'm back on Romans chapter 8. I don't know how long I'm going to be in Romans chapter 8. It's a chapter all about the life of the Spirit. And in this, this one verse jumped out at me this week. This is the New Living Translation version. It says, The life you live, the Spirit lives in you because you have been made right with God. The Spirit lives in you because you have been made right with God. Understand this. God wants to live in you, to dwell in you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he has done everything to make sure that you are the right kind of container for him so that he can live in you. He has made you right. He has made you righteous so that he can come and fill you with his life and dwell in you. Because he's made you righteous, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. The question is, is how much? Not whether or not you've got him. A couple of things, and then we're going to move to worship and pray. First is this. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us is he is he confirms that we are not slaves, but adopted sons and daughters. I don't know whether you, I don't know whether you saw the dance that was going on up here this morning. You know, wasn't that beautiful? Wonderful picture of an adoptive dance. I love it. You know, we're adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. In fact, no, we're not. Sorry, that's too politically correct. You are all adopted sons of the King. Why do I say it like that? I say it because in the ancient world, the son was the heir. And you need to know, men and women, that you are all heirs of God. You are all adopted sons. And why do I say it like that? Because if I've got to be the bride of Christ, you've got to be a son of God. So get over it. Okay? I mean, yes, of course, you're sons and daughters. But don't miss out on the son bit. Because it means that you're an heir, a co-heir with Christ. A, a co-heir. All that Christ in, you co-inherit with him. That's what the Holy Spirit, as he comes and dwells in us, confirms. But our loving Heavenly Father 
has adopted us into the family. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. Chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Actually, the translation in the NIV is not quite right. And um, uh, Simon Ponsonby has written a great book about it, just called More. You see, what it really means is that you should be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time deal. This is not a, I had my eight glasses of water yesterday deal. This is a, Lord, today, come and fill me afresh today because without you I'm dried out. I'm worn out. I can't do it. I can't be the mum or the dad that you want me to be. I can't be the accountant or the teacher or the medic without you filling me afresh with your Spirit. In Isaiah 55, it simply says this, Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Listen. Come and drink. It's what we're going to do now. We're going to worship and we're going to pray together and I've got these two I've got these two vessels <laughs> we're going to have one each side these are not fancy church vessels this is like a big frying pan. By the way, good tip. Go to a posh area, right, with a good second-hand shop. You can get really good heavy-bottom pans from those shops. That's where all ours come from. Just a little tip. Here's the thing. This, there's one over here, and we're going to put this one over here, and I'm going to fill them with water. This is ordinary. And I invite you to come and just dip your hands in the water pray and, and kneel and stay here and, and go and get prayer ministry in the side chapel or, or lie. please just lie on the floor okay it's going to be a little while before we get the pews out so you've got to you've got to get the pews out of you before we get the pews out of the church okay but but I'm I, I'm deliberately using an ordinary thing a saucepan why because because God loves to fill ordinary people with his Holy Spirit Ordinary, everyday people. Teachers and architects and recruitment people and charity runners. Think, what, how do I even describe all the wonders that Sarah does? <laughs> and mums. <laughs> that was terrible. Raise that. And he fills up people who have been hurt and wounded by life. 
He fills up people that feel like they can't cope, they can't do it anymore, that have run out of their stuff. He fills up people that have desperately wanted to have children and haven't been able to. He fills up the rich and the poor because he loves his children and he wants to fill you afresh now and every day not because it's Pentecost but because it is a day because the day's a day he wants to do this for you and he wants to do it every day just before we do this there might be some folks here this morning who who you know you've come but actually you don't yet know Jesus you know today's a good day to do that either come and talk to one of the prayer ministry team or or just nudge someone next to you and say hey I want to know Jesus and they'll pray with you anyone in this building is equipped to help you do that okay as we as we do this Lord we Oh, that was the one more thing. There was one more thing. I wrestled this morning with saying, thinking that the Lord wanted to do something new. And I, and I just felt this little correction. He doesn't want to do anything new. He wants to do the thing that He's always been doing. And His question to us is, will you simply position yourself to receive? Will you adopt a posture where you're going, yeah, Lord, I more I'll just throw myself in the river receive whatever you've got for me will, will you do that this morning will you come and make a, make a holy mess up here or in the pews wherever you are and, and, and don't rush okay Lord as we as we take this extra bit of time today together Lord come and pour yourself out alas afresh Lord, help us to position ourselves to receive. And Lord, as we use the simple stuff of the kitchen as a reminder of you filling vessels, us, come and fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.